right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here. This is Eurofolk Radio Bloodlines episode for August 18, 2019. And the subject of today's show is going to be the two bloodlines uh, stemming from Cain and Abel, with the uh, reference being uh, the articles I wrote on this subject at Anglo sorry www.anglo-saxonisrael.com. Welcome, everybody. Hello to everybody in the chat room. And I just want to give a quick update on Pastor Steve. Uh, Joe from Ohio uh, drove down to pay uh, Steve a visit, and uh, he told me they transferred him from uh, that faraway facility in the southeast uh, corner of Lexington to a place closer to his apartment building. So, uh, but uh, I, we didn't have a chance to speak for a long time. Uh, I forgot to ask him whether he's got any more feeling in his left side. But the last report was that he was able to wiggle the toes on his left side. So it means he's getting a feeling back. So uh, when, when I get down there, I'm going to try to see if I can get him some supplements to speed the process up. But uh, usually these these facilities, especially hospitals, don't allow you to uh, give supplements to the patients. Uh, so we'll see. So uh, Steve may just have to uh, abide with what they're giving him than the crappy food <laughs> that uh, most uh, uh, most nursing homes, etc., provide. Okay, but if he can get into a wheelchair and maybe. Uh, you know, partake of the other items. He should be eating mainly protein and, uh, you know, and of course, I think even beef hot dogs are, are going to be better than pancakes with syrup. You know, for a diabetic, that's not very good food. So uh, these, but these places, they have their set policies. They, they don't like to deviate the menu for any particular patient. So that's just the way it is. That's the way these places are. So anyway, welcome. Uh, thanks for listening. And I'm going to be talking about the, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> Brother Abraham says they were feeding him pork sausage. Oh, my goodness. I tried to ask the uh, head of the menu, the, the kitchen, uh, do you guys have turkey sausage, <laughs> right? And they don't. They, I mean, they're not going to go out of their way to, uh, you know, fine tune the menu for a particular patient. They're just not going to do that. So, uh, so what uh, Steve has to do is just shove it away, and uh, you know, but he's still uh, so immobilized that he can't, you know, get. Uh, get any action he can't go to uh let's say the uh kitchen and ask for a beef hot dog if they would have a beef they probably have pork hot dogs so it's just a bad situation he's in and uh you know he's just gonna have to deal with it until he gets out so your prayers are especially needed and uh, father yahweh has been working for him because uh Joe from uh, Ohio got there just as they were moving him from the old facility to the new facility. 
just as in my case, I got to the hospital he was in just as they were moving him from the hospital to the uh, southeast corner of Lexington. So uh, I got there just in time. Otherwise, I'd been having to make calls and get addresses and look up the facility on the map. And so I was saved all that hassle by the perfect timing. So in both our cases, Yahweh provided us with perfect timing to be able to, you know, help Steve as quickly as possible. So your prayers asked for, he's, uh, I think he's going to make a full recovery because uh, he's determined to keep on teaching. <laughs> he's determined to keep on teaching and uh, praise Yahweh for that. All right, so the enmity part one, the two bloodlines. Now, this entire teaching from Cain down to Abel, I mean, I'm sorry, from Cain down to the modern-day Jews is a secondary, although still a main, a main theme of the Holy Scriptures. The main theme, of course, is tracing the bloodline of Adam, those who show blood in the face. And that the covenants made uh, through Noah's son Shem and down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are a major theme, the, the major theme of the Bible. The Bible is a history book of a particular bloodline. That's what it is. Uh, I was amazed when, you know, when I first came across Christian identity and uh, that, when I met Sheldon Emery, who was not a two-seed liner, at the Christian Patriots Defense League when those meetings were being held in the 1980s here in Illinois, central Illinois. Um, that's when I was introduced to the articles, uh, you know, Dan Gaiman, The Two Seeds of Genesis 3.15, and um, the, the writings of other two seed liners, such as Bertrand Compare and Dr. Wesley Swift, and uh, even, uh, even though many other writers who aren't necessarily two seed liners, but who understand that there's a difference between us and the Jews, that we're not the same race. And uh, people still you know, people still assume the Jews are white. They're, they're not white. They are the genetic offspring of Cain, and they all contain the this DNA of Cain. And so it it took me uh, 23 years to write the book, The Great Impersonation: How the Antichrist Has Dece- Deceived the Whole World. But that book is all about tracing the two bloodlines from the garden down to the present time and showing how the Jews are a parasitic entity. And they've always been a parasitic entity parasitizing off white civilization. Now, they have parasitized uh, under Islam and in the Far East and in Arabia as well. Not so much in Africa, uh, because the the blacks haven't produced enough uh, goods of prosperity for Jews to, you know, do anything with. So they, well, you can't parasitize off a poor person, right? And 
I think the the Jewish parasitism in the Americas, uh, Central and South America, is simply based on exploiting their resources. So and creating creating slavery and using the the uh, indigenous peoples stealing their gold, stealing their wealth. And you have to understand that Columbus, whether he was Jewish or not, had a lot of Jews on his ship and was actually financed by Jews, not so much by Queen Isabella of Spain, but by Jews who you know, were, were being kicked out of Spain and had to go somewhere. And they weren't welcome anywhere. <laughs> so with the possible exception of Holland and Poland, but uh, you know, when whenever a a wealthy Jew is forced to leave his uh, domicile and the country that he's been living in for who knows how many generations, because the, the Jews were in Spain since the Moorish invasion, undermining Christian Spain and the uh, Visigoths who ruled Christian Spain. That uh, those uh, those Jews don't they don't want to go back to a country where other Jews already are because they have to start all over. If they're going to start all over, they uh, w- want to go to a place where they can do things their own way, okay, and not have to abide by the rules of the local rabbi. So many of these Jews went to the Americas and immediately started exploiting. The crops there, such as sugar, tobacco, cotton, etc., and introduced slavery. Slavery throughout history has been the number one Jewish business. And uh, oh, and so and then the, the sugar and, and the liquor industry. <laughs> so uh, tobacco, sugar, liquor, uh, yeah, you name it. Whatever, uh, whatever kind of crop can uh, is conducive to slavery, having slaves do the work for you. So the history of the Jewish diaspora into the Americas and other nations includes slavery. They're always the first number one in line to create a slave uh, culture. And, and trying to enslave the local people. But what happened in the, in the Americas was that the local people, the Amerindians, did not work out as slaves. They just ran off. They tried to enslave the locals, but uh, they had too much of a culture uh, that they could r- run away to and avoid slavery. This was not true of the blacks. When they uh, imported blacks into Bermuda and Haiti and uh, other and Brazil, etc. The the blacks really couldn't run off into the into the jungle. They'd get eaten up by by the uh, by the jungle. Uh, so they they really had no choice but to stay on the plantation. This is why the Jews decided to bring more and more blacks from Africa onto the plantations they had started in the Americas. Okay, and of course, with the Rothschilds being the chief Jewish family in Britain, they cooperated with these other Jews who were bringing slaves into the Americas. And, uh, well, this is big money. 
Uh, slavery has always been big money for the Jews, as Andy and I have done on previous shows. We have demonstrated that the Jews and the Muslims were cooperating to abduct white people from Europe, take them to northern Africa where the Muslims were operating, uh, from the from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, and Thomas Jefferson sent the American military to make war against these Muslims who were, you know, kidnapping white people off American ships and off a and off the the land of Germany, France, etc., Italy, Spain. The 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 Jews and Muslims were cooperating in the slave business. For, for millennia. It's millennia now that they have been, you know, the Jews have been behind the slavery business in, in Rome. I'm not sure about Byzantium, to what extent uh, Byzantium even allowed slavery. That's a good question. I've never done research on that. But uh, nevertheless, there were Jews in Byzantium too, and uh, the Jews of Byzantium cooperated with the Muslims to overthrow Byzantium. So wherever you see Jews, they have been involved in nothing nothing but the overthrow of white Christian civilization. That, that's it. That's been their business. Just as the devil, <laughs> Lucifer, rebelled against Yahweh and fell to the earth, his offspring are rebelling against Yahweh's bloodline, namely the Adamic race. That's history, folks. And any history book that does not relate this fact that the Jews have always been parasites and destroyers of white civilization simply has no idea about history at all. No idea. They, they don't know anything about history if they don't know this. So let's get to it. Enmity Part 1, the two bloodlines, and Genesis 3.15 states, And I, Yahweh, will put enmity between thee, that is Nachash, he's speaking to Nachash here, he's not speaking to Eve, and the woman, who is Eve, I, Yahweh, will put enmity between thee, Nachash, and the woman Eve, and between thy seed and her seed, Enmity. What's enmity, folks? It's hatred. Hatred. Okay? This is not about love, folks. This is about hatred. It, her seed, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his, that is, her seed's heel. Okay? So, this is taken to be a prophecy by the mainstream Judeo-Christian theologians of the coming of Christ. But no, it's the seed is us. We are her seed of, through Shem. I'm sorry, through Seth. Shem came later. And the seed of Nachash, as the, spelled out in Genesis chapter 4, the descendants of Cain. So these two seed lines are kept separate throughout the entire biblical narrative, and these bloodlines are traced. The bloodline of Nachash is uh, begun in Genesis chapter 4, 
and in various places throughout the Bible because it's a history book of these two bloodlines. Now, you have to search out the history, the, the bloodline story of Nahash because it's interrupted and, and, and it comes back in various places. But the bloodline of Adam is detailed throughout the Bible from beginning to end. So, introduction to the series. The Enmity is intended to be a six-part series whose main subject is miscegenation. For the last 35 years, it has been apparent to me that the Bible is a document which records the vicissitudes of a particular race of people, namely the Adamic white man. The message of the Bible is clear. Whenever Adam man strays from his God-appointed duty to remain separate and distinct from other races... Adam, man, suffers untold calamities uh, vis-a-vis today. Just look around you, folks. The question on my mind when I woke up this morning was, how much worse can it get? On Friday's uh, Yahweh's Covenant People, I did a show about the, the incredible debauchery going on, you know, perpetrated by the Jews and the... Um, the Baphomet, hermaphrodite, uh, transgender, <laughs> transgender movement. Uh, I didn't realize that. You know, I, I always knew that Baphomet was a, you know, a, an androgynous being depicted as a, an androgynous being. But I never realized that uh, the, the, this current thrust of transgenderism is part of the original agenda of the fallen angels. And the only reason that these fallen, because they apparently had the genitalia of both sexes, as Baphomet did. But they chose to rape women because it's easier to rape women than it is to rape a man and to produce offspring, right? It's just a lot easier to rape a woman if your intention is to bring about hybrid seed and of course the devil lucifer nakash shatan whatever you name you want to go by is the breeder and somebody asked me a question about africa and we will be talking about africa as well that uh, it requires a breeder, you know, uh, so let's say you're a dog breeder and uh, you, you take wild dogs, the ones that Yahweh designed. Those w- various species, subspecies of canine do not mix. They simply do not mix. Uh, wild dogs don't make, uh, uh, have sex with wolves, uh, you know the the huskies of Siberia don't don't have sex with uh, you know the the dogs uh, whatever Asian dogs I, I'm not even aware of the different dog species in Asia, but dingoes we have hyenas we have uh, the, uh, the the dogs out west in, in the American desert uh, no, no, none of these subspecies breed with one another they just don't. The same is true of subspecies of the cats, you know, lions, tigers, Bengal tigers, etc., etc. They do not mix. It's almost, 
it's almost so rare in nature that no one has ever even witnessed it. That's how rare it is. So, but with the subspecies of humans, assuming that, you know, here's, here's the point I want to make about Africa. Because the question was asked of me, did, were the blacks created by the fallen ones or were they a mixture of fallen angel seed and the existing blacks that were on the African subcontinent? Because we're always hearing stories of the fallen ones, the Anunnaki, coming down to earth and using blacks as a slave race to dig gold, to dig for gold. That's the most common theme. And even the, um, the, the Discovery Channel and the History Channel have picked up on this theme because they want to tell you anything but biblical truth. And, and, it's, and it's really interesting to talk about fallen angels and the Anunnaki descending from another planet and uh, you know, enslaving the entire planet. Well, that's apparently what they did in Africa. And they would have, they would breed tall Negroes, such as the Zulu, short Negroes, such as the Pygmies, and other tribes that, even those other tribes keep separate from the others. The, uh, the, the various black African tribes, even today, do not mix with each other. <laughs> they try to stay separate from one another. So why in the world would anybody want to you know, have all the races all mixed up into one big jumble when the tendency of all of these tribes, even the American Indians, they don't mix with other tribes. The only time that happened was when they were making war against one another and the... Uh, Warriors would kidnap the women of the other tribes and bring them into their you know, own tribe. So the, the mixing the, in nature, even among humanoids, is extremely rare. It requires a breeder, a breeder to maintain these various breeds that have been created. And so what you see in, in Southern Africa and Africa in general, the various African tribes stay separate and they want to stay separate. So why would anybody want to distort this natural process and jumble up all of the races, even, even though the, the various sub-races around the world do not mix with one another? How do you think that this is going to work out? Well, it's not working out, folks. It's absolutely not working out. So what I realized was that uh, these sub-races in Africa had to have been created by a breeder. And that's why the, these, uh, these various tribes, such as the pygmy, were, would never mix with the, uh, with the Zulu unless some breeder demanded it. Now, of course, the Jews aren't concerned about the, the uh, various species of blacks in Africa. Their concern is the Adamic race. They want to eliminate our race. And that's why you see this global Jewish campaign to destroy our race through race mixing, 
the Jews, the rabbis of Judaism, and their moneylenders, the Rothschilds, are the breeder. And they want to breed us out of existence. Throughout history, the tendency of the white race has been to avoid the non-white races. When we come in contact with them throughout history, there was war. There was no lovemaking. (laughs) There was war, folks. And that even includes the Mongol invasion. There was war. So it's only the modern era which, in which this, of course, is Esau's dominion over Jacob in these last days. These are the days, the little season between the beast, the Jew beast being let out of the ghettos and the judgment day. So the question that was on my mind, how much longer, Yahweh, how much longer do we have to put up with this? Because we are virtually powerless in the face of this enemy. However, Deuteronomy 28 always comes to mind. You will be protected as an Israelite, as a faithful, law-abiding Israelite. Yahweh will protect you if you obey his laws. The Judeo-Christian world is lost. The Catholic Church is lost. They're out the window. Anybody who follows those religions which promote race mixing just as much as the Jews do, forget it. They're not getting into the kingdom. Period. Yeah, bestiality, (laughs) right? The Jews encourage bestiality. Uh, Mr. Kim Smith, using blacks as slaves breaks many Christian laws, mixing integration, thou shalt not, etc., etc. Yes, absolutely. And the mere fact that you have black servants, and this was the big mistake of the South, having black servants in the household, let alone, uh, you know, mixing company. In the Old Testament, the Israelites never had non-Israelite servants in their household. The only form of quote-unquote slavery there was, was indentured servitude. And this applied only to the Israelites themselves. So if one Israelite owed money to another Israelite and could not pay back, or owed the other Israelite uh, you know, for a, an animal that he might have killed, either accidentally or on purpose, then indentured servitude was enforced. But that was only among the Israelites themselves. And, of course, we had the uh, seven-year rest, where if that uh, Israelite owed over seven years of servitude, he would get a rest on the seventh year, attend to his own household with the anticipation of coming back to his own household and his own family, his own extended family. So, but uh, there was no Canaanites were never brought into Israelite households to be servants. The Canaanites were held in tribute as a nation. The nation of Israel held the Canaanites and the Edomites in tribute in their own territory. So again, separation. The Bible teaches separation. It does not teach integration. And what we have in the Judeo-Christian world today is blanket, blanket integration, which is being taught in all the Judeo churches. And this is because the Jews have infiltrated all of our uh, theological seminaries. 
and taught this garbage, and they've used homosexual priests to infiltrate the Catholic Church and even the Protestant churches, and transgender <laughs> priests, right? You know... You don't know what you're getting. You don't know what kind of creature is going to be preaching from the pulpit of a Judeo-Christian church. You have no idea it's going to be a beast of the field or a Baphomet transgenderite. So, yuck! Yuck! You stay out of the Judeo churches. Man, you know, can you imagine the diseases that are running rampant in those churches? All right. So when I started actually reading the Bible for myself, I realized that it was a history book. It was a history book and how this race, the Adamic race, was to remain separate from all the other races. And then when, and as the Israelites of old began to pick up Canaanite religion and were having sex orgies in the groves, that's when Father said, enough, these ten tribes, I'm picking you up by the, uh, by the scruff of your necks and I'm ejecting you into the wilderness of Europe where no man had lived because... The Ice Age had ended around 10,500 B.C. The, uh, the glaciers retreated north, and Europe began to have trees and plants and wild, wildlife again. This was literally an uninhabited place, except for a few wanderers, and even the animals, the, the, the bears, deer, elk, you know, wolves, right? took several thousand years for the entire area to be populated with all these animals again. So because, unfortunately, wild boar <laughs> were, were popular and uh, uh, were, were populated as well. So when the 10 northern tribes moved up into the wilderness of Europe, it was indeed a wilderness a total wilderness, only animals and plants. They did not encounter any other races when they moved north. So Yahweh had prepared this ahead of time for our people. Okay, just as he prepared the scapegoat. By the way, the scapegoat's name was Azazel, <laughs> one of the fallen angels. All right that ultimately the sins of Israel are going to be placed on Azazel and his offspring, the Jews, and they will burn. They will pay the penalty for all the evil they have encouraged us to do. Now, let me enter a caveat here. There's plenty of evil among white people that is not precipitated by Jews. However, we used to have Christian jurisprudence. And last night's show with Ed Fife, we talked about the fact that America was established as a white country. The very first immigration law said that you had to be a, a free white person. Free white 
person. Only free white persons could be citizens of any state. We documented that fact thoroughly. And the fact that uh, you, if you are a free white person and can document your ancestry because you're part of the posterity that the U.S. Constitution talks about, the posterity is exclusively white people. All the other so-called acts of Congress notwithstanding, that has not been overturned. So it's the Act of Congress, the Immigration Act of 1802, which retained much of the meaning of the original 1790 Act, still says, free white person. You are a, if you are free and white, you are probably part of this posterity. And you can, though the law is in your favor, you can reject all of these other laws that have been brought in by the Roman Catholic Church, by the Jews and other entities, by the British bar. You can reject all of this by reclaiming your white posterity status. That has not been erased off the books. So uh, so I advise you to listen to last night's rest. I'm sorry, I haven't put it up yet. <laughs> I was really tired last night. So I'll put that up because it explains the whole deal of how to regain your birthright sovereignty. That's the correct terminology, your birthright sovereignty. And as I showed in all the Restoration Hour series that I did uh, when I was uh, over uh, in uh, Republic Broadcast, no, Republic, uh, no, I forget the name of the, the, the network that I was on. All those shows I did on the U.S. Constitution and the Bible shows very clearly that our Constitution use the Bible as a guide for the laws that we have. They've been tampered with. They've been changed by uh, people creeping in. But the original legislation, the original Constitution, etc., of the country and the various states is based on the Bible, on common law. Common law is biblical law. And it maintains the separation clauses that we find in the Bible. And it maintains uh, the, the lack of a standing army. The, US the founding fathers detested a standing army. They, whether they realized it or not, and most of them had to realize it because it's common law, that the Israelites did not have a standing army. They had a militia. The militia is every... Grown man, able to carry a rifle, that's the militia. And that's how it's defined in our Constitution. Supreme Court has nothing to say about what the militia is. It's defined by the Constitution. Every able-bodied man capable of carrying a weapon is the militia. And the governor of each state can call out this militia whatever he or she pleases, because we have female governors today. 
Nevertheless, the spirit of the militia law is right from the Bible because the Israelites did not have a standing army. Whenever David or Solomon or any of the other kings of either Judah or Israel needed to muster an army, they called out the militia. We are to rely on Yahweh as our defense, and the only way that we can avoid being attacked by foreign entities is by obedience to his laws. When we start straying from his laws, just read Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the curses. It's only when we Israelites fail to obey his laws that we become vulnerable to attack from the outside. Otherwise, Yahweh protects us. This is what the Bible teaches from beginning to end. So ultimately, we only have ourselves to blame because we fail to obey his laws. As I like to put it, when Israel fails to obey Yahweh's laws, Jews happen. Okay? Too many of our people are disobeying Yahweh's law. So this is a national punishment that we're undergoing at the current time, allowed by Yahweh, because this is a national punishment prophesied in the end times that our people would stray away from his laws, reject Messiah, his son. The vast majority of white people today laugh at Christianity. So they're under this judgment too. And the only way, I don't see any other way out of this mess that we've gotten ourselves into but the second coming. In the meantime, we have to remain faithful and be the light, the light shining on the hill, the city on the hill. Okay, so this racial separateness, although mandated by the Father himself, is not quite absolute as our nation has always been permitted to coexist with other nations, but we are not to mix with them as individuals. In other words, the national boundaries, this wasn't worded very well, the national boundaries must be maintained. It wasn't white people that imported blacks to Africa. It was the Jews. Those slave ships were owned by Jews. However, because the the Southerners needed labor, cheap labor, with a one-time investment, they could purchase a slave, and that slave would work on the plantation, growing cotton or tobacco or whatever. So this was an economic decision made by many southern plantation owners. I keep pointing out to people that those blacks who were on the plantations had a much better life, (laughs) a much safer life than blacks back in Africa, but that's beside the point. And slavery was going on in in the other colonies as well. Uh, Gradually, the northern colonies did away with slavery, but there was no economic mandate for that because the colder climates weren't conducive to these, you know, labor-intensive crops such as tobacco and cotton. But our constitution, our constitution, 
had in it the clause that within 20 years of the ratification of the Constitution, the importation of blacks from Africa would cease. And Thomas Jefferson wrote the order for it to cease 20 years later. He was a member of the, what is it, the Society, uh, the American Colonization Society, all the way down to Abraham Lincoln, who was also a member. Francis Scott Key was a member. Various other American legislators were members. In other words, to set the blacks free and send them back to Africa. The country of Nigeria was started by that process. So, but the Civil War uh, disrupted the society and that process ceased. So the only way to solve this problem is to separate the races. And there's a, a prophecy in the Old Testament that says that the uh, the beast of the field will be, go back to the nations where they originated. This is Yahweh's plan to ultimately we'll, we will be separated. Okay? So, the 12 tribes of Israel, being his chosen people, are to maintain our racial purity. That's biblical law, folks. In conformity with this principle, the founding fathers of America had every intention that our society remain racially segregated. Now, a lot of people believe this contention, it's a modern contention, that uh, that wherever, whatever country you're born in, you are automatically a citizen of that country. That's not the case under our Constitution. The mere fact that you're born in our territory does not make you a citizen. You have to be a member of the posterity. Otherwise, you are a resident alien. So this whole anchor baby idea, it had to be a Jew that invented that. Had to be a Jew that invented that. But even so, even though the 14th Amendment was ratified shortly after the Civil War, blacks did not gain citizenship until 1965. Again, the Jews, at gunpoint, invaded the South. Eisenhower and Warren, both Jews, forced the Southern schools to be integrated at gunpoint. Again, a perfect example of how the Jews forced race mixing upon us. Okay. In conformity with this principle, the founding fathers of America had every intention that our society remain racially segregated. The U.S. Constitution, as written by them, did not recognize non-whites as citizens. It did not include Jews either because Magna Carta excluded Jews as citizens of Britain but the, the king reintroduced them as servants to the royal house, to the king, using them as tax collectors, advisors, doctors, what have you. That was a bad idea. Okay, but this is how the Jews finagle their way into our company. They were brought back into Britain by Cromwell by Cromwell, okay? And uh, Britain has gone downhill ever since. America has gone downhill. In fact, 
uh, Benjamin Franklin warned the, the, the Constitutional Convention that if you don't exclude the Jews by, by edict, by declaration, within 200 years, America will be enslaved by the Jews. Paraphrasing. And he was absolutely right. So we have this parasite that comes down from Nahash and his fornication with Eve producing Cain. That's how we explain how Cain, where Cain found his wife. He did not marry his sister. <laughs> Adam and Eve and Nahash were expelled from the garden before any such thing could happen. Those races already existed as clearly stated in Genesis chapter 1, which we'll get to. Okay. The U.S. Constitution, as written by them, did not recognize non-whites as citizens. Most people don't even know this. You have to read the founding documents. The Jim Crow laws confirmed their intentions that racial integration is to remain for Bidden. It is also clear to me that as we obey Yahweh's laws, including his racial laws, kind after kind, other races become more attracted to us because of our prosperity and Christian jurisprudence. That's Christian jurisprudence is the only thing that has brought stability to this planet. All the other races simply have dictatorships. They have no concept of constitutional republicanism, no concept of the, the individual rights. China, Amerindia, Africa, you have nothing but dictators. The dictator was the law. Individual rights that never existed in any of these nations. They have simply borrowed it from us to the extent that they have it at all. I mean, you go to China, do you, uh, can you be, do you have individual rights in China? No, you're at the mercy of the dictator. So this whole idea of constitutional republic is white, it's Israelite, it's Yahweh ordained. And the best the other races can do is to borrow our ideas and try to do as well as they can. Yes, Mr. Smith, the uh, Jews' worst nightmare is racial separation. This is why the Jews attacked South Africa, the apartheid system of South Africa, with a vengeance. With a vengeance. Even though... The blacks in South Africa were the most prosperous of all blacks in the world, the entire world. The Jews could not have racial segregation. Blacks from other countries were flocking into South Africa because of the prosperity there. But the one and only sin of South Africa was apartheid, keeping the races segregated and apart from one another. Those blacks living in South Africa were the most prosperous blacks in the world, thanks to apartheid. 
but the Jews cannot tolerate racial segregation because they themselves are of a mixed race, fallen angels, and uh, whatever whatever kind they choose to mate with. Remember Genesis chapter 6, that the fallen angels, they primarily sought out white Adamic women, but they were creating half-breeds of all different kinds of species, as is also clear from from Scripture and the book of Jasher. So, in other words, the Baphomet people, which are the Jews, the Jews are the children of Baphomet, they want to defile everything that's pure. That's why you're seeing all this debauchery in America and around the world, not just America. All of this debauchery around the world is being promoted by Jews. And by the way, Islam is no better. (laughs) Islam is no better. The Catholic Church is no better. The Protestant churches are no better. They used to believe in racial segregation. The Protestants did. The Catholic Church never did. The Catholic Church has always been a universalistic religion. And uh, don't you know that the you know the Spanish and Portuguese who were Catholics who came to the Americas integrated with the women uh, here in the Americas right off the bat? That's Catholicism for you. Catholicism has always been uh, teaching racial integration and practicing it while at the same time the Roman Catholic Church was making war on white Christians who were so-called heretics, exterminating millions and millions of white people who weren't Catholic. By the way, I read recently that one of the popes actually apologized to the Waldenses for the exterminations going on there. Too late, sorry. You're still doing it. You're still exterminating white people, Mr. Poop. So, we are supposed to be the city on the hill. This is the meaning of Jesus Christ when he tells us, us Israelites, that we Israel are a light unto the nations and that we are to be the city on the hill. When Yahweh instructs his people to go in and possess the land, he means for us to turn the wilderness into a paradise. The Jews have never done any such thing. He also means to establish his government through us. Throughout and restoring the dominion established for the Adamic race in Genesis chapter 1. Throughout history, when we have done this, the standard of living of the indigenous and surrounding nations has improved. By virtue of the scientific and cultural improvements our people always make. There's uh, The dark continent of Africa was dark for two reasons. They had black skin and they had nothing. They didn't even have a written language. They hadn't even invented the wheel. This is in clear fulfillment of the commandment that that Yahweh gave us to make take dominion on this planet, Genesis 1.28. It is also clear that we are to remain aloof from the strangers of other races and always show preference to our kin. Now, of course, we're in a situation because the Jews have changed our laws that a real estate agent cannot 
show preference to white people when selling a, a building or renting an apartment. Of course, there's always ways to get around these things. But it's the Jews who are responsible for our integration, the laws that have been passed under Jewish control of this country. This is where the politics of race comes in. The Bible very clearly teaches that the Adamic race is not to integrate with non-whites. And this was the downfall of the southern states because even though they considered the blacks to be inferior, they nevertheless brought them into our households. Jefferson Davis even adopted a black child. And that black child lived in his household for a year and a half. And whenever you have blacks in close association with whites, mongrels happen. (laughs) Okay, that's what happens. This situation has been forced upon us by the Jew, by the perfidious Jew. It's time for us to take a stand, put our foot down, And tell the Jew we're not taking it anymore. This is what has to happen. And so you can do things in your own life to make sure that this does not happen. Now, if you come afoul of the law and the Jews come after you, you know, for, you know, uh, because a a friend of mine uh, rejected a mixed couple who wanted to move into his apartment. And uh, he was uh, into the building that he owned. And uh, he got sued and he lost in court. So you really have to be careful. You really have to be careful what you do. You're probably better off not being a landlord, <laughs> okay, under the situation. All right, Get, getting out of Mystery Babylon, get out of the system etc. Okay? Because the Jews will find you and file a lawsuit against you and they send agents out to do just this kind of thing. A mixed race couple, you will be targeted by the Jews if they find out that you're not obeying their Talmudic laws. Okay? So, we cannot fulfill this destiny as his chosen people if we pollute and dilute our spiritual and intellectual capabilities through race mixing. We can't be the city on the hill if we're down in the gutter, if we're down in the valley with the Baal, with the Baal worshipers. It is my belief that these other nations are to learn from us while we as a people enjoy God's government by obeying his laws, i.e. separation. Apartheid is Yahweh's law. And the people of South Africa, the true South Africans, being of Germanic Judah descent, were in fact fact, practicing Yahweh's racial segregation laws. If we are not practicing God's government, then we have nothing to teach them. We become just like them. If this sounds like the white man's burden, then so be it. Kipling understood it as well as any other white man. 
But obviously, if we do not ourselves obey Yahweh's laws, then we can hardly expect anyone to follow our example. All right, now, regarding Britain, the entire British colonial era was fomented by the Jews within Britain. The British East India Corporation, the British West India Corporation, as well as the Dutch versions, because it was under the Dutch West India Corporation that New Amsterdam was founded. It was the Jews of Britain and Holland who instigated all of this colonialism and the race mixing that uh, followed afterwards. So the, the integration of the white race has always been a major theme of Jewish colonialism. But nobody even talks about Jewish banker colonialism and the <laughs> opium trade and the slave trade. This has always been instigated and run by Jews even today. The Israeli state is one of the worst examples of slavery, sex slavery, all of this, and with the, with the byproduct of racial integration. So they knew when they instigated all of this slavery and banking cartels and colonialism that uh, white people would start race mixing as a result. They knew this. And that's one of the main reasons they do it. The main reason was to get in, ingratiate themselves into the royal houses of Europe, which were white Israelite Aryan Adamites, fulfilling the prophecy that the throne of David would exist forever. There, there would always be a descendant of David on a throne somewhere, ultimately to be t- replaced by Yahshua himself at the second coming. So another reason why uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth, if she is a pure-blooded Judahite, there, there might be a uh, you know something else in the woodpile there, but there are other pure white royal houses still left. I believe Sweden is one of the nations, even though all these royal houses are you know functionary. They don't have any real power, but in Britain it appears they still have real power. But it's been it's been degenerated, literally and figuratively, in Britain. So if Queen Elizabeth II is pure-blooded, but I just read that there is a uh, there is a contender to the throne. He appears to be a pure white guy. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, we've never really talked about this in any, any great detail because the likelihood of this person unseating Elizabeth II and becoming uh, the, the king of uh, England uh, is, is extremely remote. So I haven't even bothered to discuss this on the air. But it is an interesting topic that there is a contender to the throne. Okay. All right. So. A modern parallel to this system was the apartheid system of South Africa. This was a highly successful system of keeping our race separate while benefiting all races of the area. 
The real problem was that South Africa was so prosperous that they could not stem the influx of blacks from poor black countries and poor black tribes just flooding South Africa with more and more and more blacks. They had to have border control, and they didn't. Uh, plus, uh, you know, I think the uh, even at its uh, heyday, the South African government was outnumbered ten to one by blacks. So that was an untenable position. Although, if the Jews had never gotten involved in the racial politics of South Africa by creating the ANC which is a communist black government always financed by Jews, apartheid may may have been maintained and maybe ultimately they could have secured their borders. But even the, the blacks who had been living in South Africa rejected the influx of blacks from other countries. They didn't want their jobs taken, you know, by uh, lower wage blacks. Just as in America, whites didn't want blacks taking their jobs. That was part of the reason of the Civil War. Whites didn't want blacks taking their jobs. But the Jews in America and in South Africa were always exploiting the unrest of the poorer non-whites against not just the whites, but the more prosperous non-whites, such as the Creoles. In Louisiana, that whole situation was begun by the French. The Creoles resented (laughs) other blacks coming in. So uh, the whole point here is that the migration of non-whites into white nations has been the problem. We just have not been able to secure our borders for one reason or another. But if you don't have secure borders, you're not a nation. And one of the laws of our Constitution for the federal government is to secure the borders. The Democratic Party, unfortunately, is the party of open borders. It's been controlled by Jews since 1913. And only recently, the neocons in the 1990s took over the Republican Party. There was always a constitutional contingent of the Republican Party. The Tea Parties are a good example. They're white by default because blacks have no interest in constitutional republicanism. They just want the goodies that the Democratic Party feeds them. But that aspect, that faction of the Republican Party, excuse me, (laughs) has been destroyed by the neocons and its pro-Israeli politics. So whenever the Jew sees a racially segregated movement among whites, they attack it with a vengeance. They attack it with a vengeance. So the only protection we have is Yahweh's laws. That's the only protection we have. 
and this is why a purely white nationalism without reference to biblical law is doomed to failure. Absolutely doomed to failure. They have no hope because Yahshua is coming for us and uh, we need to be praying for the second coming. Whether or not Yahweh has selected the 144,000 and that process is, is happening right now because the New Jerusalem will come down and be plunked, I believe, on American territory and racial segregation will be once again enforced and all the, the beasts of the field will go back to their continents of origin. That's the way it's going to be. That's what the Bible says. So we can't we can't wait for the day that this happens. So Father Yahweh, please, please, please send your son Yahshua to straighten this mess out. The scriptures say, who can make war against the beast? Certainly not us as individuals. But in the spirit, we in Christian identity stand together against the perfidious Jew and the beast system that he has created. And we reject it, and we reject it in the name of Yahshua, your son. Let the Holy Spirit descend upon your people Israel so that the scales fall from their eyes and they become real Adamic Christians, as was your intention. And please end this apostasy this great apostasy that has overcome our people in these last days. In the name of your son, Yahshua, amen. So we see we are in big trouble. Brother Abair says, one of my big prayer requests is to be alive when he returns. Amen. I really want to be here. I don't want to have to die and be reborn. I want to, that twinkling of an eye experience that Paul talks about in his epistles. That not all of us will taste of death. Some of us will be transformed, transfigurated. <laughs> but uh, there's even in the book of Acts, you know, it, it says... Those who witnessed Yahshua ascending into heaven, it states that just as you saw him leave, you, that is Israel, will see him return. Okay, so he ascended up to heaven. He will come back down from heaven. He said, I will see you again. So if this isn't enough to motivate you, to keep his laws, I don't know what the, what is. So, yeah, greed. But I think the vast majority of our people are in fact sheep. They just go with the flow, even though even though the flow is the lemmings running to the ocean and drowning themselves. Our people are not advocates for Yahweh's laws. That's the problem. And uh, I don't understand it. I simply do not understand how white Christians can be so 
well, lukewarm is the expression used in the scriptures, but be so lackadaisical and think that, you know, if, if you don't obey the law, that you don't see that the things are going to fall apart? You don't see that? But certainly the Judeo-Christians don't see that. And the white nationalists have been flummoxed by this idea that uh, without Yahweh, who created our race, thank you very much, without Yahweh, that you can have success against Mystery Babylon? And that's why Pastor Butler tried to unify the Christian identity and white nationalist movements. He, he wanted to awaken the white nationalists. But the problem was there were so many infiltrators, government agents, he, he had no idea how many there were. <laughs> some people told me one out of three. Some, some people told me two out of five were actually FBI agents that had gone to his compound. And those are the people that brought it down. Just as CIA, which is a Jewish creation all the way, it was created by Jews for, by the Rothschilds for their purposes. CIA has never served America or our Constitution or the white race. Yeah, our... Our white Christian brethren who are not racially aware are in, in they're sinking into the maelstrom, that whirlwind, that whirlwind. <laughs> it's coming, folks, it's coming. And if the if the Jews can't race mix us out of out of existence, they will cook us to death with 5G. Put your cell phone down. Don't get 5G. If you have to have a cell phone, keep the old version of it. And use a corded headset that you can plug into the bottom of the of the cell phone so that you touch it as little as possible. Because it will cook you. It will give you health problems. And that's that's by design. <laughs> Brother Aber says, I still have a 10-year-old flip phone. Hooray! And it still works. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Yes. So when Yasha returns, it will be like lightning from one end of the sky to the other. That's how quick it's going to be. So be ready. This is why we teach the feast days. And Brother Eber is getting ready to do a whole series on the feast days and why we should still, as Israel, be keeping them because they have prophetic significance. The Day of Atonement is a day of preparation for the, the last Feast of Tabernacles. Remember the, uh, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins? The wise virgins will be ready for that last tabernacling when Yahshua comes to tabernacle with us on this earth before the creation of the kingdom. If you want to be part of the wedding feast of the Lamb... One out of 144,000, then you got to be white as snow. That means racially and sinless, as sinless as you can possibly be, shunning the temptations of this world. The Judeo churches have embraced this world. 
First John says, be not conformed to this world. We have our own society, white society, that we're supposed to be creating. But the perfidious Jew has distorted everything about Christianity in these last days. Okay, let me get back to the document here. All right. So South Africa was actually a version of the kingdom where the white Judahites of the Boer people were practicing racial segregation, biblical racial segregation, to the best of their ability. But just as Nahash came in and seduced Eve, the Jews came in and seduced the politicians of South Africa and ultimately destroyed the racially segregated Judah people of the Boers and created what they have now. And how is that working, by the way? How is that working? It's not working for whites, that's for sure. There are two undeniable facts about apartheid, that is, separateness. Black Africa never had it so good, and the collapse of apartheid has precipitated the total demise of civilization in Africa. And it has gotten worse since I wrote these words, because I think I wrote it back around 2003, and that was only like uh, nine years after the 1994 Nelson Mandela coup financed by the Jews. Africa has essentially returned to its pre-colonial darkness. The kosher press has kept our people uninformed of the fact that most blacks of the area preferred apartheid to the ANC's phony calls for equality. This same kosher press has kept a total blackout on the anti-white genocide that is currently going on in South Africa, and it's still going on. The African National Congress was a communist movement financed by Jewish money. Its purpose was to destroy the influence of the white race, Anglo-Saxon Israel, in the region. The vast majority of blacks were always in opposition to the ANC, but the international community, quote-unquote, supported the communists. That's even the capitalists of the international community supported the communists. Why? Why would this be? Why would the international capitalists support the international communists? Well, both sides are run by Jews. That's why. This battle is just one episode in the 6,000-year conflict of the ages, the war between the Holy Seed and the evil seed. This evil seed, which is in total control of the mass media, insists that it has been victimized by the holy seed since time immemorial. No, it's the other way around. <coughs> Excuse me. Quite the opposite is the case. Wherever Israelites have settled, we have built prosperous civilizations from the early days of the city-states down to the constitutional republics of today. Now, it's interesting. I was just reading The Secret Relationship of Blacks and Jews, published by the Nation of Islam. And in that, uh, in that book, they state that the Jews invented this concept that they're an oppressed people. 
during the era of slavery in the uh, central in Central America and the islands thereof, because what happened was that the Jews would set up these slave slave plantations where they would use slave labor. They had given up on trying to enslave the locals, the Amerindians, and found that uh, certain blacks, the ones that were sold to them by other black tribes, were more amenable and could be trained to pick cotton and harvest sugar, etc., etc., with with no pay. They couldn't do that with the indigenous Amerindians. So that's why they started importing blacks, amenable blacks, to do it. So this meant that they had to uh, have the the less warlike blacks, uh, in in other words, the subjugated blacks of other tribes that were subjugated by one black African tribe, and they, they sold the subjugated tribe to the Jews and put them on the slave ships. So these were amenable blacks who were not likely to rise up against them. Okay. And of course, you know, when you talk about the the slave owner's whip, uh, you got to remember that uh, a lot of those slave owners had hooked noses. Neil Young. <laughs> a lot of those slave owners had hooked noses. In fact, most of them did. Until slavery transmigrated into the South. The vast majority of history, the slave owners were Jews and or Muslims. And this is not revealed in any of the official history books. These prosperous civilizations were built without any assistance from the Jews or their predecessors, the Edomites and Canaanites. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me finish my thought. Uh, I didn't finish the, the point made in uh, the book, the secret relationship between blacks and Jews, is that these uh, Central American Jewish slave owners resented the fact that the local governments would tax them for their profits, okay? And so what what they did was they moved from island to island trying to avoid paying taxes, all right? And this is what they called persecution, this whole idea that the Jews are a persecuted people comes from the fact that the Jewish slave owners resisted paying taxes, and that's what they called uh, Jewish persecution, all right, that the Jews are a persecuted people. That's where the idea came from because they didn't like paying taxes. Everybody else paid the taxes, but they, they didn't want to pay taxes to government, local governments which were run by white people or by, by the Spanish or the Portuguese, etc., etc. Okay, they didn't like the fact that they had to pay taxes to non-Jews. That's what they precipitated this whole idea of Jewish persecution. Yeah, well, I mean, nobody likes paying taxes, so we're all persecuted, aren't we? This evil seed, which is in total control of the mass media, insists that it has been victimized by the holy seed, i.e. persecuted by us, since time immemorial. 
Quite the opposite is the case. Wherever Israelites have settled, we have built prosperous civilizations. From the early days of the city-states of Europe, I should have stated here, down to the constitutional republics of today. Germany was a a country of city-states for the longest time. It wasn't really until the 1800s, maybe late 1700s, that the German city-states and districts became a country, became a nation. These prosperous civilizations were built without any assistance from the Jews or their predecessors, the Edomites and Canaanites. Once these civilizations have begun to flourish, in fact, Germany and most of Europe uh, had banished the Jews. That's why there were so many Jews in Poland, because only Poland would accept them after they were banished or they went to the New World. Once these civilizations have begun to flourish, the Jews have moved in with their usury and other vices, resulting in the decline and eventual destruction of same. In every single instance of our people's decline, race mixing has been a major part of the decline. Also, homosexuality has been part of the decline. There is your hermaphroditic transgenderism, which has begun to blossom in these latter days, the Baphomet transgenders. This is true from our ancient stays in Palestine, through our city-states such as Athens, Troy, and Rome, down to our modern Anglo-Saxon nations, and to the extent that Greece and Rome imported slaves from other countries, many of them non-white, that precipitates the decline. In other words, when the ruling class of our nations falls into these depraved practices, you can expect the people to follow. As was the case in ancient Israel, when the ruling class began to practice these depraved practices, the people would follow. That's why when Israel had bad kings, the nation began to decline because the people followed the king. If you have a good king who obeys the law, such as Alfred the Great, we flourish, we prosper. But if you have somebody like Charles II of Britain, who was nothing but a tool of the Jews, the Bank of England happens. So it is important for us to get rid of the evil rulers, and that's what the Republican form of government was supposed to ensure, that we, the best of the best of the best, become our representatives in Congress. But then the Catholics started moving in, and we had Catholics uh, becoming Congress critters and Jews becoming Congress critters and senators. Right now, there are so many Jews in our legislature, so overrepresented. I think their, their representation in our legislature is 10 times the average of their population, which surely goes to show that the Jews will take over once you let them in. So, we have the same thing going on today. Just as Nahash 
seduced Eve, the Jews are seducing our entire race today. From the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, one particular enemy has dogged us unmercifully in order to corrupt our lifestyle and our very genetic makeup. This race mixer entered the garden and seduced Eve. This race mixer was present on this earth before Adam, and Adam was warned of his presence. In Hebrew, he was known as Nahash, the Whisperer, a name implying secret seductions like illicit sex, like the Naga of uh, of ancient India. All of those old Indian religions are nothing but pagan religions involving quote-unquote sex magic. And and look at India today. (laughs) It's just, it's the same old India. There was an Aryan Renaissance for a while, but on mainland India, the southern portions of India, nothing has changed. It's the same old mosh pit of degeneracy. Like illicit sex, illegal drug deals. He was the tempter of Eve then, and he is still our tempter today. But the Judeo-Christian corruption of the Hebrew scriptures has ensured that we remain in our fallen state. He, Nachash, had got to us, got us to adulterate our seed. And as a result, we live in constant misery. They're having a great time, a gay old time. But we are the ones who are living in misery. And we are the ones who are being persecuted, not the Jews. As Andy and I have proven. Oh, wow, I didn't watch the time. I see we're just about out of time, folks. So, all right, uh, we'll have to pick this up next time. So, praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Thanks for listening, and Yahweh bless.